Good morning, Faith family, and if you're new worshiping with us today, I especially want to welcome you to our online service. Today we're going to begin with some gathering music by, led by Bruce Bowers, accompanied by Brenda Bowers. So uh, grab some coffee, gather up the kids, and get yourself settled. And feel free to use this time to quiet your soul and bring yourself into the presence of God.
It's Senior Sunday. Today, we honor and celebrate our graduating seniors. We celebrate not because of any awards won or recognition earned, but simply because our seniors are children of God and a part of this faith family. Our seniors stand on the threshold of the next phase of their life, especially in the current situation we find ourselves in. It might be a scary future. But today, here we offer you, our graduating seniors, a blessing and a promise to be here with you and for you as the many changes and challenges come your way. Every year, we like to give our seniors a gift, something that's special and intentional. This year, our seniors were given a blanket with their name embroidered on the corner. This blanket represents many things, but most importantly, represents the love and comfort from their Heavenly Father. With each blanket, a blessing was offered for both the senior and their parent. Seniors, this message is for you. May this blanket be a reminder to you that you are never alone. May this blanket remind you of the warmth and security and comfort that you will always have through the love of God. So today we honor and celebrate you. So go with love from your faith family and from God. Hello, Faith Westwood class of 2020. While it seems like the COVID-19 pandemic has put many of our lives on pause, it has not and will not stop you. Congratulations on your graduation and blessings as you move forward on exciting, faith-filled lives. May God bless you. Good morning, boys and girls. Miss Leah here, and I want to talk to you about things that we can prove and things that we can't prove today. Like, if we all know what's going to happen if I let go of this pencil, right? Gravity's going to take over and it's going to fall to the ground. There it went. We can prove that. And are any of you a little competitive? Like, have you ever said to a friend, I can run faster than you, or I can throw the ball farther, or I can jump higher? Do your friends just believe you? Or do they say, oh yeah? Prove it. Everybody say, prove it. And then you have to have a competition with them and show them that you can run faster or jump higher or throw the ball farther, right? It's easy to believe in something that we can see or prove. It's not so easy to believe in those things that we can't see or can't prove. And that's called faith. Everybody say faith. Today's Bible story is talking about a man of great faith in the Bible. And he had a servant that was ill. And so he had heard about what Jesus could do in healing people. And so he sent some people out 
to go get Jesus, to have Jesus come back to his house and heal his servant. But before Jesus even got there, he sent out another person to tell him, I know that you can heal my servant with just your words. You don't even need to come into my house. And Jesus was really impressed by that. He thought that man had great faith. Everybody say, that's faith. Because the man just believed in it. He had faith big enough to believe that his servant could be healed by Jesus's words alone. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. Jesus spoke the words and his servant was healed because of the man's faith. But when we have things that we can't see, like the man chose to believe without proof. That's why we call it faith. We can't prove it. We can't see it. We just have to believe. So that's what I want you to talk to your family about this week. I want you to remember that choosing to believe without proof is faith. Talk about that. Talk about what that looks like in your life. And to remember that we can have faith in the power and love of Jesus every day. All right, I will see you again next week. And until then, may the Lord bless you and always smile upon you. And all God's kids said, amen. Have a great week. I love you and I miss you all. Bye.
Today's scripture is from the book of Luke, chapter 7, verse 1 through 10. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. On Wednesday, I got a text from a friend, uh, somebody I'm trying to be a blessed friend with, and he asked me to pray for his mom who's in the hospital. And so Trish and I, we did, we prayed for her, and then I encouraged him also to pray. Because I know, and I want him to know, that God hears his prayers just as much as mine. You know, for me, one of the most exciting things about Jesus is the way he healed people. And a lot of times when I read it in the Bible, I wish I could have been there, don't you? I wish I could have seen him cleanse the man from leprosy or see the woman healed when she, when she touched his robe or, or the time when he raised the synagogue leader's daughter who had just died. And Jesus wants us to carry on his ministry of healing. That's why at Faith Westwood, we have prayer teams and we have an email prayer list and we have a monthly hope and, hope and healing service. Uh, this is the third Sunday in our series, In Sickness and in Health. And today, we're going to look at the role of faith in healing. We just heard Becky read about Jesus healing the servants, uh, the centurion's servant from uh, Luke chapter 7. Uh, a centurion was a military officer responsible for roughly 100 soldiers, hence the title centurion. Before we get into the meat of the message, I want to say that the same story appears in Matthew's Gospel, but with two differences. The first difference is that in Luke, the sick person is the centurion's servant, but in Matthew's Gospel, it says it's his son. So what's up with that? Well, I don't know if I can explain it all, but I do know that the word Matthew uses can refer to either a son or a servant. Maybe this servant was like a son, or even an adopted son. Any of those are possible. We're not quite sure. The second difference seems more disconcerting, at least on the surface. When Luke tells it, the centurion never actually comes to Jesus, right? He sends friends to make his request for him. But in Matthew's Gospel, the centurion shows up in person. Why is that? <laughs> 
One thing scholars have found is that compared to the other gospel writers, Matthew often abbreviates his stories. My guess is that he has so much teaching material he wants to get in, like the Sermon on the Mount and other things, and he knows that his scroll is only so long, so he often condenses the action and dialogue. In this case, it seems that Matthew dispenses with the emissaries. Maybe he figures they aren't that important anyway, but Luke gives us the more detailed account. Jesus and his disciples are in Capernaum along the north shore of Lake Galilee. Capernaum was where Jesus lived after he left Nazareth. It was sort of his home base of ministry. Let's look at verse 2. There a centurion's servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. Valued highly is a good translation, but it's, it's even more personal than that. It means that this servant was dear to him, precious to him. And now this servant is dying. Jesus probably performed uh, more healings at Capernaum than anywhere else. So people there, they knew what he could do. Verse 3, the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. These elders would have been most likely leaders of the local synagogue. And they make a case why this centurion is worthy of Jesus' miracle, even though he's not a Jew. Verses 4 and 5. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus and the elders head to the centurion's house. Meanwhile, the centurion apparently has second thoughts about what he's asking of Jesus. Jews had rules forbidding them to enter the home of a Gentile, and he doesn't want to get Jesus in trouble. So he sends more friends to intercept Jesus and carry a message. The message reads, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. And the rest of the message explains how, as a centurion, he understands the chain of command. He knows that when you give orders, you expect them to be followed. He figures Jesus can give the command, and the servant will be healed. One thing I like about Jesus is that he doesn't heal by formula. You know what I mean? Every healing is unique. Each one is tailor-made for the individual and the situation. Sometimes the sick person comes to him and asks to be healed. Sometimes Jesus is the one who initiates it. Sometimes Jesus touches the person. Sometimes he doesn't touch at all. Sometimes he says, your faith has healed you. Sometimes we get no clues about that person's faith. Jesus, I believe, is teaching us to avoid using formulas when we pray for healing. And that's important because we love formulas, right? Formulas make us feel in control. If we just use the right words and the right actions like a magic spell, then presto, we get what we want. But God doesn't work that way. God is a person, not a power outlet we plug into. If we're going to continue Jesus' ministry of healing, 
We have to come to every person and every situation uniquely. We have to listen and be led by the Spirit. Having said that, many times I have borrowed the centurion's words in my prayers for healing. Say the word. Say the word, Lord, so this person may be healed. And how does Jesus respond to the centurion's request? Verse 9. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. I'm guessing the centurion knows very little about Jesus. He knows very little about this Jewish God. And yet Jesus marvels at his faith. And you know, there are a lot of people who don't go to church who know very little about Jesus or the Bible, and yet their faith may be greater than ours. Jesus might say, I have not found such great faith even in the church. Today we're going to see a scene from the video series, The Chosen. You can watch all of season one on YouTube or The Chosen app. In this scene you'll notice that it's not the super-religious Pharisees who have the most faith. I want to thank the producers of The Chosen for giving us permission to show this clip where a partially paralyzed man is carried by his friends to a house where Jesus is teaching. Well, the house is so crowded, they can't get him in. So they carry him up the outside stairs to the roof. Let's watch. Cannot be hid. And if it were nighttime, Zebedee wouldn't light his lamp and put it under a basket put it on the stand where it could light us all. Jesus of Nazareth! I saw what you did to the leopard on the road this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, do for him what you did for the leopard. Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. 
Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven. Or rise up and walk. It's easy to say anything, no? But to show you. And so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, my son, rise. Pick up your bed. In this scene, Jesus praises the faith of the paralyzed man's friend. In Luke 7, he praises the faith of the centurion requesting his servant be healed. In both cases, the faith at work is not from the person who needs the healing. It's the faith of a friend. So here's what I have to say. In the Gospels, sometimes healing is requested and received through the sick person's faith, sometimes through a friend's faith, and sometimes just through Jesus' faith. So if you're sick, don't let anybody say the reason you haven't been healed is because you don't have enough faith. God can work through anybody's faith, even if it's not very much faith. Jesus said his disciples didn't have much faith sometimes, but he also said it didn't take much faith for miracles to happen. Just a mustard seed-sized faith is enough. The way I look at it, the people who asked Jesus for healing were pretty much like us. They had no more faith than we have. And of course, we all have room to grow in faith. And the more we grow, the more God will use us. It's also intriguing in the video that, uh, that, the first, that first Jesus tells the man 
He's forgiven. And then Jesus heals him. I think it's because Jesus knows what this guy needs most. Walking is not his greatest need. Forgiveness is his greatest need. He carries the guilt of his sins and it's driving a wedge in his relationship with others, in his relationship with God. And the biggest barrier to receiving forgiveness is what? An unwillingness to forgive others. Father Francis McNutt tells about a time when he spoke at a retreat of 200 people about forgiving those who have hurt us. Well, after his talk, he gave them time to be alone and consider who they may need to forgive and pray to be able to forgive them. At the end of the prayer time, a man came up to Father Francis and said that the person he knew he needed to forgive was his boss. His, his boss had hurt him badly and was very unfair. At first, he didn't feel like forgiving his boss. But after a long time in silence, he decided to try. As he did, something happened. Ever since his open heart surgery, he'd suffered constant chest pain. But once he forgave his boss, his chest pain went away. Sometimes forgiving and being forgiven and healing all work together. My brother Dan and his wife Becky are pastors at a Wesleyan church in western New York State. They put together a team of six or seven people from their church who have received training on, on praying for inner healing and deliverance. Before the virus hit, they were in the process of having prayer sessions for all the members of the team before then introducing it and offering it to the whole congregation. Dan says that the most common inner healing people need stems from not forgiving. If that's identified in the prayer session, then they explore that with them. And then they pray for deliverance from resentment and bitterness, and they ask for the grace to forgive. What they find is that when a person receives inner healing, it often frees them from other destructive impulses in their lives. So, why do some people we pray for get better and other people we pray for don't? I mean, if God intervenes sometimes, why didn't he intervene all the time? I mean, that's the big question, isn't it? And I'll be right up front with you. I'm not pretending that I have any kind of airtight answer, but here's what I do have. Here are five reasons why a healing may not come, and none of them are because the person doesn't have enough faith. Now, I'm sure there are a lot more reasons, but here's a quick five. First, God must have rules of engagement I don't know about. Miraculous healings are not really all that common. And I'm not smart enough to understand why. I have to trust that God has his reasons and I just have to leave the rest up to him. Second, occasionally God may have a greater purpose behind an illness. For example, when the Apostle Paul was passing through the region of Galatia, which is a part of central Turkey today, he had, he had to stay a while because he got so sick. People there took care of him that gave him an opportunity to tell them about Jesus. In that case, God 
had a greater purpose behind his illness. Third, God may have different timing in mind. You know, if I, I mean, when I want to be healed, I want to be healed now. But God may say, wait. I ask for an instant healing, and God may be wanting to give me a gradual healing. For example, one time Jesus was met by ten men who had leprosy. He didn't heal them instantaneously. Instead, instead he sent them to the priest to be inspected. And while they were on their way, while they were going there, their sin lesions were healed. It was God's timing. Fourth, God may want to bring someone else into the healing process. Over the last nine months, Trisha and I have been praying for a young man with Hodgkin's disease. Uh, that disease set off a cascade of life-threatening conditions for him. Now, he's not a believer in Jesus, but we prayed for Jesus to heal him. And sometimes we ask the Lord to send his people to minister to him. You know, and that happened. From time to time, Christian friends, strangers, talked with him and encouraged him. And I'm glad to report that after spending months at Mayo Clinic, he's back home and getting stronger. Finally, God may want to give a healing more important than a physical cure. I'm reminded of a story from Tony Campolo. After he spoke uh, one time at a church in Oregon, he was asked by a couple to pray for the husband who had cancer. And so Tony did. He prayed boldly for this man's healing. Well, the next week, he got a phone call from the man's wife. She said, you prayed for my husband, remember? He had cancer. Tony expected her to say that the cancer was gone and he was healed. But she said, no, he died. Don't feel bad, she said. When he came into the church that Sunday, he was filled with anger. He knew he was going to be dead in a short period of time, and he hated God. He was 58 years old, and he wanted to see his children and grandchildren grow up. He was angry that this all-powerful God didn't take away his sickness and heal him. He would lie in bed and curse God. The, anger, the more his anger grew towards God, the more miserable he was to everybody around him. She said it was an awful thing to be in his presence. But she told him, after you prayed for him, a peace came over him, and a joy came into him. Tony, she said, the last three days have been the best days of our lives. We, we've sung, we've laughed, we've read scripture, we prayed. Oh, they've been wonderful days. And I called to thank you for laying your hands on him and praying for healing. She added, he wasn't cured, but he was healed. I believe in miracles. I believe there are times when God heals a person's body and it is miraculous. And I believe there are times when the healing God wants to give us is more important than a physical cure. I'd like to lead us into a time of guided prayer now uh, during this time, you may want to close your eyes or feel free to gaze at the image on the screen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I'm amazed at your compassion for the sick and suffering. I'm in awe of how you healed all who came to you. 
come to me now. Visit me with your grace and power. And now as we continue to pray, I want to offer six short prayers, each followed by a time of silence, so you can continue your conversation. Lord, examine my heart, my motives, my fears, my desires. Reveal where I need healing most. Jesus, I open my heart to your healing power. Lord, examine my life, my choices, my sins, my selfishness. Let me hear your words. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus, I open my life to your healing power. Lord, examine my body, my addictions, my weakness, my pain. Touch me and heal me. Jesus, I open my body to your healing power. Amen. Today I want to invite you to receive communion uh, in your own home. And you don't have to be a member of our church to receive communion today on May 3rd. Um, but we, we just ask that you come ready to receive what Jesus has for you. Confess your sins, receive the new life that he's offering you. And we often find that, that communion is a healing sacrament. So be open to whatever God may be doing or wanting to do during this time. Um, you can use any kind of bread or cracker for communion, any kind of juice. And if you don't have it ready, that's okay. Just Feel free to pause the video now, go get it prepared, and then come back. Let's take some time now to pray, shall we? Oh Lord Jesus, we remember that you uh, had a, your last meal with your disciples before you went to the cross, and you took the bread, and you blessed it, and you broke it, and you gave it to them and said, This is my body. And you took the cup, and you raised it, and you gave thanks, and you gave it to them and said, this is my blood of a new covenant. And so, Lord, we receive these gifts from your hand. And Holy Father, we ask that you will pour out your Holy Spirit upon us right where we are. 
and pour out your spirit upon these gifts of bread and the fruit of the vine, that they may be for us and bring to us the very presence of Jesus. And now let us pray the prayer he taught his first disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The body of Christ is given for you. The blood of Christ is shed for you. Now during this song, I invite you to serve one another as you see Trish and I do. And if you are alone, feel free to serve yourself. Trisha, this is the body of Christ. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Steve, the body of Christ given for you. Savior 
After the video, I invite you to go to faithwestwood.com service. There you'll be able to fill out a connection card, send in a prayer request. You can give to our 2020 ministry fund or, and or our mission focus for today, which is our COVID fund. And right now the top priority is buying materials for masks made by our Masketeers team. Next Sunday, we'll continue our series in sickness and in health, and we'll look at what it means to be a healing community. Following the blessing, I invite you to stay and watch photos of our high school seniors. And now may God's healing power and grace go with you all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.